ultimately, marriage between a man and a woman, this is why God cares about it so much. The ultimate reason God cares and treats marriage so with such sacredness is ultimately the marriage between a man and a woman is an illustration of the relationship of Jesus Christ to his church. So don't you see? And think about it. In Genesis chapter 1, it's creation. God speaks and the world is formed. Awesome. Then you turn the page in Genesis chapter 2 and it's marriage. Hi, loved ones, and welcome back to Live in the Light. Hey, if you've been walking with us for these past few days, you know that we've been in the middle of a challenging and encouraging series going verse by verse through the book of Malachi. Throughout this entire series, we've been watching the Lord call to his people to return to him. In fact, that's the title of our series, Return to Me. And a reminder that if you'd like to get a copy of today's message or to order the entire series, make sure you visit us online at liveinthelight.ca. Or you can dial us up at 1-844-22-LIGHT. All right, well, today's message, today's teaching from Pastor Robbie takes us to Malachi chapter 2. We begin in verse 10 with a message entitled, Why Then Are We Faithless? Let's break that down a few more places of application. Consider why then in the same light, pornography is an abomination. Pornography is an abomination because you're giving your heart to false demonic gods. Men and women, remember, that's that's what's happening when you do that. You're giving your hearts to false demonic gods. The idolatry and the adultery away from the Lord towards that which is absolutely evil. That's why God cares so much. He's watching his children worship pure demonic evil. Of course he says, return to me. Consider why sex outside marriage between a man and a woman is profaning what God has instituted. The covenant that he has set apart for the beauty and the purity of marriage. Consider the believer turning his or her best and most sacred affections to that which is unholy and and awful. So we need to understand if we are in this place right now or considering doing something, we need to convince ourselves by God's word today, listen, the results, the results will not be good if we do these things. God will guarantee that for us today. It's amazing how we say, no, I'll, I'll be the first person to live in pornography and also worship the Lord Jesus Christ with great effectiveness. No, you won't, man. No, you won't. That is impossible. That is theologically and spiritually impossible for that to happen. The results just won't be good. Now, the enemy says, oh, it's going to work out great. Your flesh says, do it, man. It's going to feel awesome. The Holy Spirit says, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. The Lord speaks directly to our hearts today. And listen, listen, the marriage and relationships that have been so devastated by the faithlessness to our God. You know, that's what happens in verse 12. In verse 12, in this context, he's like, That man cannot come in front of me with worship. They will be cast aside. Here's what we know in our context. The Holy Spirit of God will be grieved. 
The Holy Spirit of God is grieved as we pursue things that are being described here in our text today. The Lord calls out for faithfulness among his church. May he find faithfulness to him here today. Maybe people be led towards repentance. Maybe people are led towards just a brokenness. And Lord, I need to be right with you. Praise God if that happens. Within marriage, we must be faithful to the Lord. Number two, within marriage, we must be faithful to each other. We must be faithful to each other. Look at verse 13 now. And the second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, weeping, groaning, because he has he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Here's right. Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. So what we see now is the heart of God for marriage, specifically, and just how seriously God looks at marriage and treats marriage. Let's get some theology of marriage before us right now. I find this is so helpful. Get a foundation of what the Bible says about the reality of marriage, starting from the first two chapters in the Bible itself. Here's a theology of marriage. Remember this. It was God who made male and female. God did that. God was the one. He made male and female to come together in a union, again, only as beautiful as he can design. It was God who designed marriage. Remember, he looks at Adam and he's like, hey, Adam, I don't think it's good for you to be alone. I got someone I want you to meet. I think you're gonna like her. And Adam's like, whoa, I do like her. I do, right? It's God's design. Marriage is the design of God. It was God, I love this. It was God who performed the first marriage ceremony. Adam and Eve come together and he did it. Awesome. I cares about marriage so much. And notice it was God is the one who said, be fruitful and multiply. It was God who designed procreation itself and the multiplication of the human race and the most beautiful expression of intimacy ever known to man. It is all the creation, the design and the glory of God. The theology of marriage is God was the one who instituted marriage, who designed marriage, who set marriage apart again as the reflection of what he desires to see even with his son for the church. So understand this, okay, this is important. Marriage is not only a divine institution, marriage is the first of all institutions. It's the first of all institutions. Why, why? Well, consider this. Marriage appears in Genesis chapter two. In Genesis chapter two, and remember, I love this, I love this. Ultimately, marriage between a man and a woman, this is why God cares about it so much. The ultimate reason God cares and treats marriage so with such sacredness is ultimately the marriage between a man and a woman is an illustration of the relationship of Jesus Christ to his church. So husband, loves your, love your wives as Christ loved his church. So don't you see? And think about it. In Genesis chapter one, it's creation. God speaks and the world is formed. Awesome. Then you turn the page in Genesis chapter two and it's marriage. And you'd be like, that's weird. Marriage would show up in the second chapter? Creation and all that's astounding wonder and amazement and the very next chapter in God's word is marriage? Tells you something, doesn't it? And then, then watch this, okay, watch this. 
From the moment marriage is instituted and sin comes into the world, the plan of God unfolds through the entire remainder of the Bible of the ultimate pursuit of God to his people, represented through his son to his bride. And the rest of the Bible story, and including the book of Malachi here before us right now, is the Lord reaching out in love for his people to restore them to himself at the end of the day as Genesis 2 begins with marriage and at the end of Revelation when Jesus Christ returns for the marriage supper of the Lamb, where the bridegroom will restore his bride to himself and be married perfectly forever without sin or darkness or pain or any kind of evil because Jesus Christ has been faithful to us and he will be faithful to the end. So you see what's happening there? Marriage is one of the grand theologies of the entire Bible. That is why God cares so much about marriage. It's supposed to illustrate his love for us. So it is about a man and a woman coming together. It is so much more. It is the demonstration and symbolism and illustration of the sacredness of how God treats the beauty of marriage. So don't you see now, okay, don't you see now why how grieving it is to the Lord in the spirit, the way our society has profaned marriage. I mean, think about it. I, th- I, I don't think we really have, have, have understood how important this is to God. It's taking something so precious, beautiful, and designed by God and desecrating it. So you see, oh, how the church most of all should view marriage in the same light as the Lord. And again, for those of us who are single right now, those of us who want to be married one day, those of us who maybe know we won't be married sometime in the future, but your role in supporting the institution of marriage because God cares about it so much. Jesus never got married. Think of how important marriage was to him. This is why in verse 13, the people are weeping and groaning because they're like, how come God's not listening to us? How come he won't receive our offering? But again, the reason in verse 14 is because you have been unfaithful to the wife of your youth. Verse 14 becomes an astounding, verse 14 could be a whole fantastic wedding sermon in itself. Verse 14 is the unpacking of the beauty of marriage. So consider this. I want to break down the phrases in verse 14, okay? The first one is this. It says this, the Lord was witness. See that in verse 14? The Lord was witness, meaning, meaning that alone is massive. The one who designed marriage is the one who witnesses marriage. So this is the reality of all marriage for believers, okay? You're standing there in your vows, right? You're saying your vows, and the Lord is in that moment witnessing also the vows that you are making. He cares so much. So I performed dozens of marriage ceremonies husband and wife, groom and bride. You guys know you're making these vows before God right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know how serious this is, right? I think so. Yeah, you really, you really got to think about it. Young people, you really, you, anyone, you really got to think about what you're doing. Don't enter into this lightly. Just, it's a covenant before the, the Lord is witness. The Lord is witnesses as you're witness to what? Witness between, notice verse 14, witness between you and your wife. This is beautiful to me. So the design of God is marriage, a man becoming one flesh with his wife, the woman. So notice here, this union is truly supernatural 
design, okay? Now, I understand the reality of who's all sitting in this room right now, particularly this weekend, some young people are here, but I don't, I don't want to apologize and I'll try to be wise in the way I say it, okay? But the design of God in a man and woman becoming one flesh, you know what I mean by that? Adults, good, all right? That one flesh union, that act is one of the most sacred, incredibly beautiful, glorious designs of God in all creation. It is the most intimate, can be the most powerful, the most spiritually pure thing that ever takes place in the understanding that God has set apart a man and a woman to come together in love, in devotion, in faithfulness, in loyalty, in purity with one another to be joined in that way. It is a when you really step back far enough and look at what God has done and allowing men and women to come together in that way. Now think about how our world has caused that to be an abomination. Think of how that act of sex has been so utterly trampled upon, desecrated, blasphemed. But it never takes away from the fact of what it was meant to be in the first place and what it still can be today. For me, for me, I'm telling you, and this is an opportunity, I've been thinking about this in recent months, but just I'm looking through creation and just understanding the design of God and all that we see. And for me, I mean, to, for me to really look at the details of creation, you know, like recently we had a robin in our backyard and it was building a nest, like really close. And it was built a nest and just watching our kids, watching it form the nest and, and shape the nest. And then the, the little babies are inside. It was a little bit high, went up, took the little tiny babies are feeding, you know, just the, the creation and multiplication of these, of these little lifelings, here they are. And just to, to look at that in itself and go, accident? Big bang? Really? 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 And then I step back and then I'm like, a man and a wife coming together and the design of those two bodies that fit perfectly together to reproduce for new image bearers of God to be born with emotion and life. Big bang, big bang, what? Are you kidding me? The faith it takes to believe that somehow the perfect connection of human beings coming together, man, I'm like, I don't have enough faith for that, man. But I have worship for my God to understand how he has designed this of a man and woman to come together to see us here, even right now, all oh, the wonder and the beauty of our God. He is the genius, the infinite knowledge, the glory. See what I'm getting at? It's the Lord, man. All that, he's witnessed between you and your wife. Notice also he's witnessed between the wife of your youth. It's a sweet phrase in verse 14. Now consider the affections of when a husband and wife first meet. Think about it. when a husband and wife first meet, they fall in love when they marry. There's really nothing like it. There's, there's nothing like it. Nothing so precious, nothing so strong, nothing, nothing so dear. Really, that uh, intimate connection of a man and woman coming together for the first time. I remember dating Jill. I specifically can feel and recall the emotions I had when dating Jill. And I remember one time she was going to come up to my parents' house and, and I was waiting for her to come and kind of, you know, look at the way she here yet. Is she here yet? She, and then she kind of pulls it. I run to the back room, you know, and then she rings the door and kind of walk up slowly and just like, oh, and oh, I didn't see you there, you know, hey, come on in, come on, heart pounding, you know, pounding and so excited. And listen, that's something that her and I only alone have and share that in itself. And then to progress into marriage and the feelings and the emotions and the desires and the excitement and the joy 
It's so set apart and sacred by God's design within marriage. I was thinking about this a lot this week. And so here's a, here's a picture of Jill and I on our, on our wedding day. And so look at how happy we are, huh? Look at how young we look. Oh, that's depressing. That is depressing, all right? But notice, like, what, what does this represent right here? You know, like, this, rep- this represents something that only Jill and I will ever know between each other, at least in this way. By God's design, it's something that you, it just, you, you can't really articulate in, in the design of God just how intimate, how precious, and how much you got to fight for it. Anyone who's been married longer than a week knows that marriage is hard. <laughs> for Jill and I, our first year was our hardest. But you know, when you're willing to fight through, when you're willing to go and endure through the thick and thin, when you're going to suffer in some ways, when you're going to struggle, when you're going to cry, when you're going to laugh, when you're going to have heartache, when you're, I've been amazed. I, I had no idea, really, what was coming. I had no idea. And I tell you today that I, I did not know, I was not aware of the love that God was capable of giving to people who trust him in the disaster, in the difficulty, in the trial, but to believe him for a love. I, there's been many, many times where I sit up in worship and say, Lord, I, I did not understand how beautiful and powerful you are in the sacredness of this relationship in marriage. Of course, every day it's, a, it's death to self. It is selflessness it is the pursuit of crushing your pride, but to even still to know, I, did, I didn't know it was possible. You know, Proverbs says that we are to rejoice in the, in the wife of our youth. Amen. Notice it goes on in verse 14, our little wedding sermon here. She is your companion, your companion. Oh, the journey together. Again, the ups and the downs, the joys and the trials, the thick and the thin, the, the memories, the tears, the laughter, the emotions, the history, the sharing of life's most sacred moments. And this is all within marriage. This is God's design. And then notice at the end of verse 14, notice, and your wife by covenant. Covenant, that word should probably be circled. Wow. So when I'm doing a wedding ceremony for husband and wife or bride and groom, this is, this is right my sermon notes. So I often say this as I begin the ceremony. I'm just going to put my sermon notes on the screen here. I often say this, please listen. Taking on the word covenant in verse 14. You today are making a covenant to God before each other. We talked about that. That's a huge deal. Covenant, what does covenant mean? Covenant defined in scripture is Solomon binding. It's to last a lifetime. Love is not an, an emotion or a feeling. Love is a choice. It's Solomon binding. So that's a huge deal. That's powerful. Covenant also means a walk unto death. I really love that phrase. A walk unto death. That's beautiful. Covenant means a pledge of supernatural oneness. But the Holy Spirit brings together, trusting him, abiding in him, and seeing the fruit upon their lives. That's amazing. And then a promise. This is so important. A promise to withhold nothing from God. Why? Notice it starts with the vertical, right? Allowing him vertically to free you to not to live for you horizontally. If you're going to make it in life and marriage, that's essential. It all comes back to, you got to know what covenant means. You got to be aware of this. Our society wants nothing to do with this right now. Jesus Christ and his word wants everything to do with it. 
It's ultimately the picture of what he came to do. You see how sacred marriage is and how sacred it must be to us? I just want you to notice verse 15 real quick, okay? Notice, did he not make them one with a portion of the spirit in their union, probably referring to one flesh? And what was the one God seeking in faithfulness to marriage? Look at the answer, two words, godly offspring. You see that? What is another reason God cares so much about the sacredness of marriage? Because through the faithfulness of people who love Jesus Christ and within their marriage, then the result from that is offspring that also are godly and love the Lord Jesus Christ. At the very least, under the example of love and sincerity of two parents who are fighting for the love of Jesus Christ and the kids witness that and then often so often the honor that God brings to see the children also walking in that way, godly offspring. Amazing. Within marriage, we must be faithful to the Lord. We must be faithful to each other. Thirdly and finally this, we must be faithful or we will falter. We must be faithful or we will falter. Look at verse 15. So here's the end, okay? So notice the instructions God is giving, the heart that he's putting on the table for this. And now it's like, notice, so, the first word, so. So therefore, therefore, because of this, here's the implications. So guard yourselves in your spirit. Let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So notice again, the command for faithfulness twice. So the command to not be faithless twice. So just consider the heart of God here for your heart and for the heart of marriage. Just consider what he's saying right now. We cannot miss it. It's right before us. The man or woman who wants to be married one day, consider the heart of God for your heart as you approach this institution. Consider the preparation of your heart, your purity, young men, young men, your purity, young women, your purity, your integrity. This matters to God. Your affections, be very careful with them. Do not treat these casually. The instruction is guard yourselves in your spirit. Guard your heart, guard your mind. Watch your heart, don't disregard this. And I have to say this here today too, then the man here right now, the woman here right now, you're on the brink of unfaithfulness to your spouse. Or the man here right now, here right now, you are in the midst of unfaithfulness or adultery to your spouse right now. And you know you're doing it. I have a question for you. Do you honestly think you will succeed? Do you honestly, have you deceived yourself so far down the path of evil and deception that you have convinced yourself somehow this is gonna work out? Everything in God's word says to you in love today, he pulls you aside and he says, he says, my child, it's not going to work. Oh, it feels right right now. It feels right now. Just give it some time. It is a guarantee of consequences that aren't good. It's a guarantee because we reap what we sow. The enemy wants you to do it because he wants to kill you and your family. Your flesh wants to do it because the flesh wants to make it entirely about your happiness and your personal satisfaction. Jesus Christ says, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. 
God says directly, this could be one of those moments in your life that changes forever. God looks directly at you today and says, you will not win. You will not win on the path of adultery. You will not win on the path of unfaithfulness. You will not win. I love you enough to tell you that, God says, and I invite you to return to me that I may return to you. But there's more. It gets more serious. Verse, verse 16. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel covers his garment with violence. Okay, the ESV translates verse 16 the way we just read it, obviously, but they also provide a footnote to the traditional translation. New American Standard, NIV, New King James, New Living, all translate the first part of verse 16 as, I hate divorce, says the Lord. ESV translators admit it's one of the most difficult Old Testament passages to translate. What we know for sure, the context of our passage compels us to recognize how much God despises divorce. That's abundantly clear. God's heart for marriage is crystal clear throughout this text. Divorce is so destructive. Notice what follows. It says, the man who covers his garment with violence. In Bible times, when someone got married, the man would put a garment over his bride as a symbol of protection. God says that's flipped now. In divorce, the garment now is over the bride, over the wife of one of violence. Here's what I want you to know I'm very aware of right now, okay? Because I know this message in some ways is difficult. Here's what I'm aware of. Pastorally, I'm aware of the hundreds of different situations that are represented in this room. I am intimately aware in some cases, 15 years of ministry will do this, of the complexities of marriage, the complexities of hurt, the complexities of suffering, the complexities of each individual situation when it comes to things like marriage, divorce, and remarriage. I'm aware of that, and I wanna be loving to you right now. I do. But the thing we must understand as we deal with God's heart for marriage, and in this case, divorce on this text, what we must admit and know in the midst of the complexities and the different forms of heartache that are represented here right now, we must admit that divorce or the loss of marriage or family will always bring great hurt and great pain. Divorce does violence to the sacred institution of marriage. Divorce brings hurt to the most intimate of relationships. Divorce ultimately will leave scars that never fully heal. Divorce is one of the single greatest contributors to the downfall of our society. Again, divorce is that which separates, which Jesus says, let no man separate. Divorce is the breaking of covenant ultimately before God. But let us understand again, the greatest reason that God desires faithfulness and fidelity within marriage is because marriage is ultimately meant to illustrate the relationship of Jesus Christ with his bride, the church. A husband and wife are meant to illustrate the love that Christ has with his church. Jesus loves his church unconditionally, sacrificially, permanently. Human marriage is designed by God to reflect such beauty, such grace, and such love. Think, aren't you so glad Jesus chose you, found you, loved you, died for you, cleansed you, redeemed you, restored you, saved you, washed you? Aren't you so glad that Jesus will never leave you, that he will always be married to you? Aren't you so glad that Jesus Christ will never, ever cheat on you, ever? He can't. He's perfect. He loves you with a perfect love. That's the gospel. So what do we do with that? 
Let it humble us in his love and grace and now seek to live out in the same example of how Jesus Christ has loved us. Verse 16 says it best, the very end. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. I end here. How are we faithful ultimately? The way we are faithful is looking to the one who is faithful, Jesus Christ. The more we look to the faithful one, the more we become like the faithful one, the more we become faithful. It all starts with the the whole book of Malachi. It's the vertical impacting the horizontal. Let's pray, church. Let's pray. Father, this is an important moment. This is an important text. This is an important time. I pray that you will use it. I pray that our eyes are turned now to the faithful one, regardless of where we've been and what we've done. The grace that is available today for all those truly repentant, contrite, broken in Jesus Christ. Grace is available today. Forgiveness is here. Loved ones, Jesus is always the answer. He's the answer to you now. Receive, receive the song. And may it bless your heart in Jesus' name. Well, amen. Thankful for Pastor Robbie's message today. God is good, isn't he, listeners? Uh, We hope that this series and this message in particular is encouraging you as you continue on in your life following Jesus Christ. But we want you to be aware that there are other messages and other series that we pray would be an encouragement to you as well. And if you'd love to check those out, please make sure you visit us online at liveinthelight.ca. That's all for today, listeners. Join us again next time here on Live in the Light. Oh,